in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of the top 10 i am john roca and i am mad nost we are here to bring you another week of movie discussion here right. on the top 10 uh how you been been good it's been a crazy week a lot of stuff going on you know um kind of still recovering from CinemaCon, but also just kind of getting back in the swing of things dr strange is here i had mm-hmm. an unpopular opinion uh, or reaction to the movie. A lot of people came after me for that. We'll see now as they go see the movie, how many of those people regretting their tweets or whatever, or maybe seeing my point of view of why I was slightly disappointed by the movie. Uh, we shall see. Um, but Moon Knight finished up and, um, we got the trailer for Kenobi. So a lot of stuff is, is starting to pop off now and I'm starting to get that stress level of like, Oh fuck, how many videos do I need to do? What do I need to talk about? What do I need to create? And so it's starting to all kind of popping up into my head. Um, and, uh, Lindley's gone for the next three days. She's a uh, puppy sitting. So I get to relax a little bit. I already put out the weights in the garage. Um, and so I can go work out there, which is nice. And, um, but yeah, that's, what's going on with me, man. What's, what's going on with you? Um, I mean, I don't have any, yeah, I finished moon night and, uh, started, uh, O's argument holding off. Oh, okay. The last season. Yeah, the last half of the last season. Right, I just right. Don't want it to end trying to watch other things, even though it's inevitably, but watch the first, uh, okay. of those. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing crazy in my world. Yeah. Uh, has happened. Uh, how many seasons are you in? How many seasons is Ozark? I think there's only four. Oh, okay. Ten episodes each. This last one has like 14 wow. technically total. Well, it's split into two parts. Okay. So this second part is like seven episodes or something hmm. to close it all up. But yeah, it's not that long. They've just been going on for four years, five years, six years, something like that. Wow. Cause there's just time off in between, uh, for a decent amount. Plus they finished the first one and the initial critical response was not good before it came out. Mm-hmm. So I was, I think Netflix might have delayed. Until they got the numbers back from their own platform, because the original critical reception was not good in the for the first half of the season. No, for the first season in general. So I think that's the delay of why these have been spaced out. Is I am sure you know this is one of their earlier. Hey, Mm -hmm. we're making our own content that's actually doing well. Um, that might be why it was spaced out a decent amount, but. uh, yeah, I don't think, I think the others would be right around like nine or ten episodes. Okay. Okay. It's not that long a show. Yeah, my girlfriend didn't like it, so she's talked me out of it, but I feel like I want to give it a shot. Cause I, I like think it's Bateman great. And I like Lenny, so. Lenny's, they're both fantastic. Mm. And it, the kids are really good. Yeah, uh, Julia Garner. Yeah. Uh, the other actors that they get for the various roles of people that come in and out are mm-hmm. all really good. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's compelling. Um, nice balance of action when they need it, but it's, you know, it's a lot about the character development and how they interact. Yeah. And I'd be curious to see because something already happened where I figured it was inevitably happening, but maybe it would happen at a, towards the end of this run. Right, right, right. Uh, so I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. That's a hell of a choice <laughs> and see where it goes from there. But yeah, there's so many different twists and turns. It'll hit you a couple times. You're like, oh fuck, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> and they've had probably like four or five of those, like excellent ones. Wow. In the show. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's really good. I would definitely recommend that. All right. I got I guess I got to get on that at some point. Uh, uh especially because it's only four seasons. That's a little bit of an easier catch up, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not bad. When the show is that good, like they got in, they got out, mm-hmm. you know, originally like Lost was only supposed to be three seasons. And then eventually ABC oh, yeah. is like, we have a hit on our hands. We're not canceling after this after three seasons. Hence the character stuck in lion cages for three episodes. Like we're <laughs> stretching this out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had someone trying to convince me like, you should go back and rewatch it and be like, I know I'm not going to do that. But their their point was they didn't see it until you could stream it all. Oh yeah, like it makes much more sense. It's much more enjoyable if you can binge it. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Because they leave little tidbits here and there, Mm -hmm. and if you're not obsessive about it, watching once a week, you can forget things that happened three, four, five weeks ago. Whereas when you're streaming, you may have just watched that yesterday, so it's fresh, top of mind awareness. Right. It's like I'm not committing to hundred and something episodes or whatever it was of a show that ultimately was disappointing to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, totally fair. Are you watching anything right now? Anything current Anything other than those are, let's see. Finished minx. That was good. Oh yeah. They just greenlit a season two for that today. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I don't see why not. Yeah. Um, I need to see that. She's supposedly really, really good. The actress. Yeah, she's great in Jake Joy. I think the casting across the board, they did a great job. Oh, cool. Uh, even our boy Sam Levine, Levine has a small part in it. <laughs> yeah, I heard he's a DJ or something. Oh, yeah, he's to Sam and Rachel. Yeah, yeah. for getting married. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for a misogynist. He plays a misogynist, uh, <laughs> or a misogynist, uh, companion buddy on the radio. Wow. Uh, yeah, last time I talked to Sam, I was like, hey man, I'm just waiting on that invitation. Uh, you know, I think it might have gotten <laughs> yeah. lost in the mail. And he's just like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll send another out. So then the next time I see him, you know, like, hey, I think that invitation seriously yeah. got lost. Yeah, yeah. I saw that it was weird. Yeah, I didn't get invited either. I was like, wait a minute. Well, that was weird for me. I mean, not that it would have gone because, I don't know, I've been driving up to LA a lot lately or whatever that was. And I just was like, wow, well, how come I had, and I saw like all kinds of people from the show. Oh, I didn't, I didn't. Finstock and we, all that. I've all? never hung out with yeah. them outside yeah, yeah. of. Yeah, you doing shows and yeah, stuff, yeah, so yeah. never in a million years, unless he's having one of those, we're inviting 3,000 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, never in a million. I would have been shocked if I had gotten one. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't that shocked. I was just more like, oh, that's odd. So, but whatever. It is, you're allowed to, you know, obviously it's a wedding. Yeah, you. it's your wedding. I don't. Exactly. Um, but yeah, congrats to them getting married. And it was a beautiful wedding from what I saw from the pictures and stuff that people posted up. And Ellis doing that. Of course, Ellis. What's the truth about Ellis, man? You think there's a darker side to that guy? You can't be that smiley and nice all the time. You just can't. There's a darkness there. I know there is. I'm going to find it one of these days. Man. 
I, I, I don't. You'd have to talk to Ellis about that. <laughs> I don't know specifically the answer to that. I know um, he's killed somebody. I know he has somewhere on the road. He has killed somebody and buried it somewhere. Listen, I am choosing not to self-incriminate. So I'm going to plead the fifth. Oh, fair, fair. And uh I did that to a friend of mine once on April Fool's. What? Where I called him up and made him believe that I just hit somebody with my car, or at least I hit something with my car. Right, right, right. And it was like, you know, it was as big as a, you know, the biggest dog type of thing. Like basically just insinuated nonstop that it was going to, it was a person and I just hit somebody and they're not moving. And it was raining that day, which is, I lived in San Diego, which is a rare occurrence in San Diego. Yeah, true. And uh, eventually he's like, all right, just tell me where you're at. I'm coming to help. And I was like, oh my God. That's a friend, and also that scares the shit out of you at the same time. Like, it's a good friendship. He's willing to help dispose of a body. Also, he is willing to help dispose of a body. (laughs) Uh, It's like the shit in the town. I don't got to tell you where. You help me. All right, where are we going? You know, this whole town's in my rear view. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think that movie is good and okay simultaneously. Certainly. Anything with Blake Lively certainly is okay in that movie. Not great. Yeah, just some of the dialogue in it to me is a bit much. Yeah. It's real uh, stilted. But it's got it's got some really good action, some oh, yeah. good performances. Renner's great in the film. So is Affleck, of course. Um yeah. But congrats to the newlywed couple. We hope you're yeah. uh yeah. Yeah. enjoying wedded bliss. And uh anyway, yeah, what else? Is it a theater? Um, what else? Are you watching anything? I don't know. What am I? What are we in? Oh, I started. What are we? Oh, I, I already mentioned that already last time that we watched the first six episodes of Hacks. It's good. Um, about to get into Made for Love, the second season. We got the first four episodes of that, which I, I have not seen dropped. that. It's actually good. I like the Christina Milioti is funny in that. And then I don't know if there's anything else we're watching right now. See, I, I finished Ptolemy Gray. With Sam Jackson. Oh, yeah. Was that good? Did you like that? Or was it okay? It's all right. Okay. It's all right. Okay. Started under the banner of heaven. There's only been two. Oh, yeah. We started that. That was fucking good. The third episode's out. Dropped yesterday. Okay. But the first two episodes were fucking excellent, man. Woohoo. Uh, let's see. Really interesting to like, you know, go back and explore the origins of, of Mormonism as you're also exploring this guy questioning his faith. From these murders, just brilliant stuff, man. And it's based on true story too. You know. Yeah, it's a the book is excellent. I think it's my favorite Krakauer book. Oh, you read it? Oh shit, I gotta read it, man. Yeah, it's either that or Into Thin Air. Mm-hmm. Into Thin Air was good. Yeah, they're both uh, really good. I'd highly recommend those. And then Into the Wild wasn't my cup of tea, but yeah, you know, if you like it, you like it. I mean, it's not a bad book. I just found the lead character unsympathetic. Yeah, fair enough. Eating those berries, son of a bitch. Well, just running off into a world that you kind of know. And it's like, what did you expect is the outcome of this? Am I supposed to sympathize or empathize rather with this individual? I thought I could figure it out, man. Maybe. Or maybe you shouldn't just decide to go live in the wilderness when you don't have the full knowledge of it. Uh, It seems like a fool's errand to me. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. Uh, making my way through Tokyo Vice. I actually like yeah. that show a lot. 
Yeah, I'm in the fifth episode myself. I like it. Um, it's a, it's a, it's not an easily bingeable show. There's a lot. It's dense. Yeah. Every episode has a lot. So you just kind of, kind of take it, you know, as it comes. Um, I'm with you there. I haven't started We Own the Night, which I really want to start. Um, but I'm waiting on Lindley because she's a big Wire fan. So we have to wait. You mean We Own the City? Yeah. We, I'm sorry. We Own the City. Sorry. Not We Own the Night. Uh, I, I haven't either. Um, just with the amount of basketball. Oh, dude. I turned Catherine into a basketball widow. So we've been <laughs> slow to catch up on TV shows. I think she, she just gets home and be like, Oh, one game's on, huh? Is there another tonight? Be like, there is another tonight. I am watching both those games. Yeah. She caught me watching hockey the other day. She said, what the fuck do you care about hockey? I was like, well, the Capitals are in the playoffs. Like, yeah. If it's your team, it's your team. Come on. They pulled the upset. They beat the Panthers in the yeah. game. Come on. I try, you know, I limit the amount of sports I watch year round Mm. so I can devote it at certain sections to watching just a shitload. Yeah. And just like, and then I go like the rest of the summer, I won't watch a single second of baseball or any of the rest of it. And during football, it's like, eh, you know, there's just moments, but it's not every night. Do you ever have this where your girlfriend is like, oh, sorry, obviously your wife, but like my where like you're, you're in the, you know, she's like, like I watch some stuff on my computer sometimes because I, cause she'll want, like we'll want to hang out with each other, but we don't have to watch the same thing. Like she'll watch a RuPaul's Drag Race on the main television and I'll be on the couch next to her on the other couch, the longer couch, just watching sports with my nose canceling earphones on. Mm-hmm. I'll um, do that. And then she, but like, <laughs> it's always funny cause I say to her, now honey, I'm watching the game. So I'm not watching the show. But inevitably, two or three times, she'll lean over and try to explain something from the show. And I'll go, baby, I'm not watching the show. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you ever have that with Catherine, like, reflexively wants to tell you something that's going on on the screen? I mean, I'm not watching. What I have chosen to do as of late is I'll just put it on mute so that if something – I'm still, like, passively following along with her show. So if something she does want to – I'm not distracted yeah. from because I don't necessarily need the commentary track. <laughs> Although it's nice sometimes because they obviously can yeah, point out things out. that you hadn't noticed. You know, yeah, they've yeah. got statisticians in yeah. their ears saying, hey, there so-and-so is whatever for whatever. Yeah. Although I usually have a tab open with the box score going. But even there, you can still get nice uh, tidbits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Stan Van Gundy's been oh. dropping some great ones. Dude, he's great. Man. Yeah, I really enjoy him. Yeah. Um, I like him and more than his brother. I'll be honest with you. I like him more than his brother. Well, I think he's still more about the X's and O's. Jeff's mm-hmm. more about like trying to entertain. Although looks like Mark Jackson's going to get that head coaching job in Sacramento. So it might just be Breeny and Jeff. And I am all on board for that because yeah. I think Mark Jackson is a zero. Mark's been on fumes for about three or four years as a commentator, in my opinion. Like, because he wants to be a coach. So he doesn't say anything of any substance because he doesn't yeah. want to ruffle the feathers of any possible franchise that he'd get a job from. It's so frustrating when I see that because I'm just like, man, just be honest. Be it's boring. Yeah, exactly. It's like watching Shaq for his analysis. Like the dude doesn't oh, watch the games. Fucking yeah. What a waste of time that is. It doesn't. And they're paying him millions to sit there and just, yeah, yeah you got to feed the big man. You got to feed the big, you got to create space in the middle. It's like, yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. That's a generalization that you could apply to any era, I guess. Like Candace is looking over at him half and when they're on the table and Candace or the desk rather, Candace is like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like she's so 
intelligent in her analysis and breakdown. And listening to Shaq is just like watching your old uncle sit on the porch saying some bullshit under his breath the whole time. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Charles, Charles is getting to that territory too. Kenny is the only one still somewhat trying to kind of give you a little bit of analysis. Charles is more about analysis of a human being, not necessarily what you're watching. Which I think you need that too. We just don't need two of those individuals. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When one is wildly entertaining and the other can't yeah. take a joke at his own oh, expense, right. even though he wants to be the funny guy. Yeah. Uh, which is pathetic. <laughs> if you're going to make jokes about others, you have to be willing to laugh at yourself. Of course. That is part of the deal. Yep. A hundred percent part of the deal. Yeah. It just, it's frustrating when you're like, Oh my God, you're going to be thin skinned about this of all <laughs> things. This. And then other times he's got a great sense of humor. It just, yeah. I don't understand why he's. When it's anyway. at someone else's expense, he's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He doesn't seem the type, but, uh, yeah. So I try and do that as well where I'm, I sit on the couch next to her. So we're still, cause other times I'll sit at my desk and my back is to her and she's yeah. watching something. Right. 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 Um, that seems to happen on the first game and on the second game, I'll sit with her on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. Although some of these blowouts are tough to watch. I had a tough time watching Miami and Philly last night. I was like, this is, I'm bored. I'm bored because yeah, I knew no. it was going to happen. I wasn't looking forward to that game. Yeah. But the, the Phoenix, that's going to be chippy as fuck, man. I'm loving that series. Love yeah, it. Yeah. I just don't know what answer Dallas has for them. Yeah. Cause as great as Luca is, like you gotta trust your teammates and yeah. it's, Baked into the design of the offense that he has the ball so much in his hands and yet the other guys can't get into a rhythm. Yeah. They're just constant. It's, it's one thing if you're surrounded by just spot up shooters, but Brunson, you know, works well with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Dinwoody does as well. Dinwiddie, so if you want to yeah. get them going, yeah. you kind of need to share the ball around. Yep. And that's just not who Luca is as a player. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting. But oh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It was, I was, cause they, they were kind of, I think they were in the league going into halftime. The Mavericks were, so I was like, okay, this could be interesting. And then. Yeah, but I mean, Philly was leading by one point at the end of game. They had a first half right. in game one. It's true. It's true. And I was blown away. I was like, all right, well, let's see if you guys can keep up in the second half. Yeah. And then third quarter, they just got the, the doors blown off. You're like, okay, that's what I expected. The Celtics one was a surprise when they come back and do what they did. I was like, oh shit. Okay. Matt, you and I were talking about it. Like they might... Well, with no Middleton. Yeah. I figured this thing's going. Seven and now Gary Payton going down. Dylan Brooks. I have not seen today if he's officially gotten his suspension yet. Dylan but, Brooks. Uh, no, he should be getting a, at least a one game suspension. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Brooks is suspended for game three. Okay. For the Warriors. I hadn't looked last night. It was still a lot of league sources are saying there's probably <laughs> going to be one game. It's like, well, of course it's a minimum one game. Is it going to be two? Yeah. But GP is now done for. Minimum three weeks, so he can yeah. make it back possibly for the finals. That was, possibly. That was just fucking. It's a shitty foul. It was totally a shitty foul. I mean, it is a shitty foul. What Draymond did was shit for sure. Um, because it's, but it wasn't like, you know, knocking this guy out for. No, Jay, Draymond was making a play on the ball. He was. He hit him in the head, so I'm fine with a flagrant one on that. He was yeah. making a play on the ball. He just hand wildly slapped him, hit him in the face. It just seems to always happen with him, but all Yeah, right. whereas Dylan Brooks was doing nothing more than yeah. hitting the guy. That was like something out of Rucker, man. He was like trying to it's, knock him out. That was something out of the eighties where there's a reason we've legislated that out. You're just hurting guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh and you're you know 
Kerr Turned was yourself pissed. into Grayson Allen. Jimmy Kerr, Kerr was pissed. I don't blame him. God, he was. Had it been the flip side, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Jenkins would have been pissed too. Yeah, he was cussing up a storm. Kerr. He even told uh, Brooks, he was like, get the fuck out of here, Brooks. It was a Bush League play. Was I'm surprised not suspended for the series because I mean if you're going to knock someone out like that and it's intentional then you should not be able to play in the series. You can't like, prove intent, so I no, think no. the precedent is one to two games. So he was going to get and technically it's two games because it was oh, the three minute mark. Yeah, and he yeah. so it's a two game suspension. Yeah, um, it's without pay too, so he's losing a big paycheck there. Yeah, he's gonna miss a month, Peyton. And they find they find Draymond twenty five thousand for flipping off the fans. Yeah, he said it's fine. I make twenty million. <laughs> Literally, his response like, "Yeah, that's only gonna invite more fines in the future, man." Yeah, that's dumb, dude. Uh, yeah, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, should we get into our show? Should we get into our show here, bud? Uh, sure. So. Hmm. We are basing the topic around the release of Firestarter, the new movie yeah. based on the Stephen King novel. Yeah. And the gist of it is, you know, uh, movies with a kid in the lead mm-hmm. and the rest of the cast is basically like adults. Mm-hmm. It can't be a Goonies or a Super 8 situation where it's a cast of kids and there are adults around them. We're trying to replicate what Firestarter is. Yeah. Which is centrally lo- focusing on, now there could be other kids in the story, but it's like, kid is the focus, and then mostly adults dealing with them is the, the way I assumed we were going at this. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I try to focus on the kid being the main, the main focus and, um, carrying the film, in essence, carrying the film. That's the way yeah. I look at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wrote it down in my notes as kid-led adult movies. Yes. I had to change adult movies. <laughs> That's true. We should put, uh, now well, maturity does, doesn't sound well, good either. Doesn't sound good either. We'll figure it out. Yeah. I can't, what did I call this? I, I know I called it something because I put it on here. Let me uh, see here. I can't, I can't pull it up. I called it top 10 movies for adults led by a child actor. Does that walk the line a little bit? Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, what sucks is... How about older audiences led by a child actor? No? Hmm. Kid-led older people movies? I don't know. So I'm trying to, like, narrow down the number of words just so it can fit. Oh, fair enough. In a description at the top when you open it up in, you know, a podcast app as opposed yeah. to having to wait for that 15-second timer so when it eventually starts scrolling. Mm-hmm. Like, to succinctly... Unfortunately, kid-led adult movies is the best, but you're right. That doesn't sound good. That does not sound good, yeah. Otherwise, we're just listing, what, our favorite Tracy Lord's movies? Uh, Oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm just saying, those are uh, the only ones I can think of where people got into legal repercussions. I don't don't know what you're talking about. I'm sure you don't. You laughed at it, so you know precisely what I'm talking about. Just because I was uncomfortable, I didn't know what else to do. (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure. Listen, I was... Like four years old when those came out. So I don't really acknowledge. I just know the story behind it. Era, era. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. 
Oh man, hilarious. Um, <clears throat> all right. So yeah, so that's what we're saying. So basically, the kid led, and it's a, a, a older movie, or not older, but you know, for for adult audiences, for mature audiences. Yeah, it's not it's not a kids movie. Yeah, it's not a kids movie. Basically, yeah. yeah. How about a know. kid lead in a non kids movie? Yeah. Oh. Uh, something like that. Yeah, I like that. All right, let me. I can change it right now. Kid led top ten, child led movie. No wait, kid led movies. Would you say kid led movies? I don't know. know. We we can workshop it for a non kids audience. (laughs) Yeah. So something like that. I just saved. There we go. Well, maybe we just make it longer and longer and longer. Yeah. Like parenthetically, this is for fire starters. So please just think of how we came to this topic. Because of Firestarter. This is how we got it done. Uh, all right. All right. Um, so where shall we go? Oh, yeah. So uh, how does the show work, Matt? Where, let's just get into it. We set a topic. We go our individual ways, create personal top ten lists, show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top ten lists, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Um, what's, your, what's your ten? My ten is The Exorcist. Ooh, good choice. That's my number. Well, uh, yeah, since it's bottom A, it's my number eight. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I looked it up specifically. Linda Blair. So our cutoff was 12 and under. Yes. Just so the audience knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are no teenagers. So if I was ever confused, because there are certain points where they don't give a character's age. Yes. So I yes. looked up the individual's age who was playing the character at the time. Yeah. Uh, and just base it on that. So if like, okay, they were, 12 and under, then I'm just going to assume so was the character. Right. Because other times he's like, you got a 15 year old playing an 11 year old, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine. The character is 11. Right. Uh, but I can't think of a time where we have a young kid playing an older kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the exorcist, um, fan, it, it still has a lot of the scares. Yep. Uh, to this day. And the idea that this is based on a true story. Yeah. From Georgetown, not too far where you grew up. Yes. From where you grew true. up. I've been to the steps many times. Or Have you really? Steps. Oh yeah. We used to go down there on Halloween night and then every once in a while I'd have something to do in DC and I'd drive by the steps just for shits and giggles, you know, and you'd see people taking pictures and stuff and people lying down on the steps, which is always weird to me because I'm like, you know, your feet have been on those steps. Like dirty shoes have been on those steps, but whatever. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if you buy that place, you know that's part of it. Oh yeah, of course. But does it? At some points, it has to drive you nuts. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I think you go through the stages, right? Do you, oh, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Fuck, this happens all the time. Jesus Christ, I want it to stop, and then you just kind of hit some kind of l- dull. Murmur. It's like, okay, this is just my life. The acceptance of it all. You know? Yeah. It was like, what was that? Breaking Bad, the people that would show up and throw the pizza boxes on top of the house of the yeah. Breaking Bad house. Like, I, that would drive me nuts. Cause that's but, physically throwing something onto my fucking house. Like, stairs, well, something that's oh. rotting eventually too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, great. Yeah, you would. Picture, now get the fuck up there and, and remove it. You know, you'd assume it just, it subsides with time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the exorcist, it just, Iconic location mm-hmm. from a unique, huge blockbuster from its day and still has relevance now. Yeah. 
And it's, you know, if you've never seen it, it's about a girl who gets demonically possessed and then they're trying to do an exorcism on her yeah. and just the trials and tribulations of trying to get the spirit of a demon out of a child's body. <laughs> that's, that's the exorcism. It's a tough life. <laughs> it is a tough life. Uh, I don't know how to summate the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, other than that, because <laughs> it starts off and like he's in the Middle East and yeah. finds some idol and yeah. whatnot and is carrying and this idol is the physical representation of like a demonic spirit or something. And then eventually that demonic spirit moves into this child's body. Uh, but the th- thrust of the movie, the gist of it is yeah. about this possession and the girl. And it's why also now. We have all these possession movies all these years later. It's like, oh, it's yeah. a successful formula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the first to really, you know, crystallize that. If you can do it well, it can be quite successful. You're right about that. Yeah. And the budget's low and the yeah. return on profit or return on investment rather is, yeah. can be very high. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the paranormals. The first one cost, I think, a nickel. Oh yeah. The paranormal activities. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it made 250 million or something. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple fucking story. It was great. Yeah. It's like, aren't they making a Blair Witch TV show? Oh, uh, yeah. Are they making well, a movie or a TV show? One or two. But I mean, that yeah. first one cost nothing. It yeah, made a yeah, bunch yeah. of movie. And then they made they, at least one sequel. They did an installment of the Paranormal Activity last year on Paramount Plus, but it wasn't that good. So I uh, maybe yeah, the well dry there. It doesn't really need to be good and it'll still make money. That's true. It's true. It's Pretty got good. a name. Yeah, it's like, new. uh, all those, what are the ones with Vera Farmiga? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, it's like her and the guy that plays her husband, whose name I always forget. Yeah, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. It's like Annabelle and all those, yeah. Yeah, those are spinoffs of it, aren't they? And that like, yeah. this was the, this couple, this paranormal hunting couple. Jesus, I forget. I forget. And originally. The Conjuring. The, there it is. The, the Conjuring. Conjuring. Yes. Yes. That's the other thing too, though. A lot of these have pretty <laughs> blah names. But it all stems from the exorcist. Had that not been just a natural, massive cultural phenomenon, yeah, and huge at the box office, I don't know that producers continue or realized, hey, this horror genre, hey, teenagers are stupid, Uh, scared. They like to be scared. Some of these are really well made. A lot of them are dog shit. Doesn't matter. People come to the dog shit ones. Yeah, and you can cast unknowns, and people will still go to the movie. Yeah. So reduces your budget even more. Yeah. Uh, what's your nine? Uh, my number nine is Searching for Bobby Fisher. Oh, yeah, that's a punt. That's huge. Okay. That's, okay. that's one of my favorites, man. Um, there's, a are, lot of, there's a lot of good movies that you There is. From. There is. What's your eight? Uh, my number eight is Billy Elliot. Yep, that's my number nine. Nice choice, dude. <laughs> okay, I thought that one might be a standalone for me. No, you can't do the ballet, Billy. I mean, I can't let go of that fucking line, dude. So, hell yeah, Billy Ailey. Great choice, dude. Great choice. Yeah, when he finally, like, the family just is okay Yeah. with the choice and whatnot, you feel it. You're like, you yeah. dance your little fucking feet off, Billy. <laughs> You do. When I saw, cause all the discussion, I knew it was going to be a feel good. I was like, blah, 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 paint yeah. by numbers. And I was a, you know, young mid 20 something when this came out, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, ah, you know, I get it. 
Oscar Beatty type of movie type of thing and then saw it and I was like, nope, that's really good. <laughs> that is really good. It, it, you walk out of there feeling great. Um, it's also the stage play led to, uh, Tom Holland getting his big break in acting. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Everyone knew, yeah, the musical. Yeah, exactly. Which got was, that and then, yeah, got what, like the, uh, the impossible and whatnot. Right. And made his foray into movie acting. Yeah. Thanks to Billy Elliot, but it's a young Jamie Bell, like it a is. very young Jamie Bell. Yeah. And he's a kid who's like, doesn't like uh, boxing. He's not into sports. His dad's trying to make him turn him into a man, quote unquote, but he sees a bat, walks by a ballet class and that's what kind of sparks his interest in dancing. And so, and at the same time, his father's dealing with like losing his job with the shutdowns of the factories. And so there's a lot of stress on the, on the family and. I think, is it Brenda Blethyn who plays the mom? I think, but they're dealing with all of this, all the changing landscape. And his father just wants Billy to not add to the drama and stress of their lives by having yeah. his family be ridiculed by raising a son who dances. And you know, in those small areas, uh, small towns, sometimes that can be a very provincial judgmental thinking in those towns. Um, unfortunately. And so I love that this was a British movie that kind of explored that. And this is right at that time, Matt, right? When like British movies were blowing up, like train spotting, Englishmen went up the hill and came down a mountain or whatever. Like, oh, there were all those that were happening around the same time. And Billy Elliot's one of those ones that kind of got through all that clutter and was really, um, respected and reviewed really well by critics. I remember that. It's good. Yeah. It's good. There's quite a few like, uh, that people love. Mm. From that era that I think are just okay, like Waking Ned Divine. Yeah, that's I think fine. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. got a great rating if you ever look it up online. Yeah, <laughs> and you watch it, and you're like, okay, yeah. it's, it's not bad. Right, right. Uh, whereas Billy Elliot, like the the joy that you feel, yeah, because it's I, I can understand the thinking of all the players involved. Like this is, yeah, this is weird. Why do you need to be weird right now? It's a great point that you bring up of the fact that he wants to do this and all they want is some, some semblance of normalcy given all the other turmoil that they've got. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually realize like you can't stifle someone's happiness and joy just because it makes you feel slightly uncomfortable or something. Yeah. If they're not hurting anyone and they're deriving a tremendous amount of joy out of it, then celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just saw the dad in a show that I'm watching on Acorn called Hidden Assets. Um, he plays a dude who's a kind of, oh no, I'm sorry, The Bay. I just saw the, the third season of The Bay. He plays a, ironically, the dad plays a guy who's running a boxing gym. Ironically. So okay. <laughs> kind of funny to see that actor pop up as that. Uh, but yeah, Stephen Daldry directed it. I was trying to, I thought it was Stephen's Freers, but it's Stephen Daldry. I get them both. I think so. the actress you were thinking of is Julie Walters. Oh yeah, Julie Walters. Yes. I get her and Brenda confused yeah. all the fucking time. All the fucking time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really sweet. And I don't think there's anybody else that came out of there. Um I don't I, think so. I'm looking at the IMDB now and yeah, yeah. doesn't look like it. Yeah. Um, okay. All right, so that was your eight. Uh, that was uh, my eight. Okay. So the my ten is home alone. Okay. I yeah. kept it off because it was like it's a skirting the line of is it an adult movie or yeah, not? Yeah, yeah. In the end, I was like, well, look, they're really trying to kill him, 
Uh, and, and you've got the parents who are running back and that's played for real. It's not played for jokes that her mom is freaking out that she can't be there or can't, that they left their son. It is initially funny because she's like, yeah, man. But like the whole time yeah. with John Candy and other people, it's legitimate. And then you have that nice payoff with him and the old dude in the church and whatever. So there's, there's some, some mature beats in the film. So I, I was like, okay, I'll let it pass, but I won't put it high up on my list because it's not, you know, like a drama necessarily. So I put it there. at number. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that kid led needs to be a drama, although that's what right. ends up making my list because right. comedically it's rare when that happens. Right. Yeah. I did think about it. Uh, totally. It would probably, it was one of the last cuts. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It's in the 11, 12 ballpark. But if we're yeah. saying just like straight kid led movies, yeah, it's going to be near the top. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why I put it near the bottom because for what I'm, what our list was going to be about, I think it, it does have those stuff, but it doesn't, but it's very, yeah, but it is still kid kind of leaning. So, um, anyway, but we've talked about it on the show, so there's no need to go in and out. Great stuff. Macaulay Culkin, everybody involved. Fantastic stuff. What's your seven? Uh, my seven is boyhood. Oh yeah. Not my thing. So go ahead, man. Knock yourself out. Just the achievement mm. of doing this, of committing to a project. For this duration of time is yeah, impressive yeah, yeah. in and of itself. And then to see the final product rendered yeah. was even more impressive. Mm-hmm. And to have all these, a couple of very established actors mm-hmm. and Ethan and Patricia yeah. um, commit to a decades long project. Yeah, pretty incredible. Well, you're only checking in, you know, once a year for a short amount of time, but the dedication to the idea and to the director. Yeah. Saying, I, no problem. Um, I, I love this. This is interesting and unique and the growth and maturation of the, the kid. Now, eventually he does. He ages out of technically the restriction that we set upon in this. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought about excluding it for that, but that is not all of the movie. And I think given the fact that I moved a lot as a kid, so I can understand a decent amount of what he had to go through. Yeah, yeah. So it resonated a little bit more with me. And it's just a, it's just life. It's basically just like watching someone's life unfold in front of you. And, uh, Linklater did an, a really excellent job. Mm. But the interesting thing is, I don't know how often I would go back to rewatch it. I haven't seen it since the theater. Yeah. I saw it once. Once was enough for me. For whatever reason, it just didn't, just didn't grab me the way uh, other people, it grabbed other people. But I, you know, like you said, I respect the achievement. I mean, waiting that long to do it is pretty incredible. So, you know. Yeah, and having to hold on to the footage for all that long and the commitment that you made to we're shooting in this. Yeah. And then 20 years later going, well, we're still committed to, but dear God, the advancements are using a different camera Mm. or lens or whatever else and be like, this is what we committed to. Yeah. Just carrying through all those different things. And uh, is it the – I never really thought to look it up. Does the cinematographer stay on? For the entire oh. duration or all the different crew and cast and all that. Yeah. Cause a lot can happen in 20 years, man. Yeah. Um, cause some of the things like, you know, the gaffer and yeah, all those individuals, like, yeah, sure. But the set design or someone that's working on the aesthetic of the film, right. do they continue on? And this, obviously I brought up the cinematographer, but the people where they're putting their artistic stamp on it. Yeah. Um, They're two different ones. Okay. So Lee Daniel and then Shane F. Kelly or Shane Kelly 
is the other. So there were two DPs. So maybe one, Lee Daniel was the DP for the first one way back when, and then Shane Kelly is the DP for this one. Because I think Lee Daniels kind of moved on. Yeah, he moved on. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, he forced uh, his name into the title of a movie. That's why I know his name, Lee Daniels, uh, the butler. No, that's not the same guy. Well, isn't it though? I didn't say Lee Daniels. I said Lee Daniel. It's a difference. That's how he gets you. Suckers you in. <laughs> Somehow it works. He gets more residual checks that way. I'm not oh, sure. I don't know the math. Smart motherfucker. But he, he turned it back on the studios, how back to the future still hasn't turned a profit. Lee Daniels used the same accountants. And he's figured out how to game the system. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. What's your six? Uh, my number six is Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, another one I have not seen. So go ahead, man. Oh, you never saw it? I haven't seen it yet. I need to see it. I need to see it. It's an interesting movie. It's a, a young girl and so she's lost her dad and her mom is looking to remarry, uh-huh. but it's in the middle of the Spanish Civil War where yeah. they're trying to figure out if they're going to be a republic or stay with the monarchy. So you have that as a backdrop right. and she keeps receding into this fantasy world because from my perspective, she doesn't want to deal with the trauma in her real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's trying to create this escapist reality so she can get away from, right. you know, her new stepfather who looks like pretty much an asshole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, her mom's not doing too well physically. So she's concerned with, am I going to be stuck without my mom and my dad? Because her dad died not, not too long previously. Yeah. And it just, it's the push and pull of all that and the fantastical. I think it's the best rendering. Of that within uh, Del Toro. Mm, wow. Where the okay. shape of water has that fantastical element as well. Yeah. I think Pan's Labyrinth, it makes more sense to me. Right. Um, given, you know, I would, I would watch Pan's Labyrinth again before I watch Shape of Water. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I just, Shape of Water, I really enjoyed it at the time. And right, as totally. time has receded, it's, it has less and less a grip. Yeah. Um, whereas Pan's Labyrinth still has roughly the same kind of transfixing quality to me. Right. But, uh, yeah. So the journey of this little girl as she's dealing with yeah, trying to figure out her place in a world that's chaotic and dark and depressing. Yeah. Or this other one that she may or may not be real. She could hmm. be conjuring. Um, yeah, I, I, if you like Del Toro, it's the best he's ever done, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got to see that. I know a lot of people tell me it's one I got to see. Plus, it's all in Spanish from what I understand. Is that correct? Or is it no? Uh, yeah, it's subtitled. Yeah, subtitled. So there you go. Um, yeah, which is confusing because I'm simultaneously trying to listen so I can just jog that part of my brain and then read the subtitles and watch what's going on in the action. And eventually I had to just give up trying to decipher the Spanish. Yeah. Probably Although every once again they'd say something and be like, I know that word. I know, I know that phrase. I know this. Uh, but anyway. Um, all right. That was your six. That is my six. Okay. So then my seven is, uh, true grit. Okay. I, I excluded that one. Really? Oh, I mean, she's the, the driving force. None of this happens without her showing up at that town, hiring rooster, forcing, uh, LaBeouf, uh, to kind of stay away and then, Forcing LeBouf or asking LeBouf to help and all of this 
she is the driving force of the whole movie and, and she narrates or her older version narrates it. So for me, that's, that's why it fits. Uh, How old is the character? Do you know? She's, uh, 11 or 12, something like that. And the, okay. let me see, let me look, I can look it up. I think she's 11 or 12. I know she's not 13 or 14. So, uh, let's see. Uh, what's her name? Hattie. Is that her name? Oh, Haley. Right. Yeah. Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. Haley Steinfeld age. True Brit. Uh, yeah, she's supposed to be 12. She's 14 when she made the movie, but she's 12 in the movie. The character's 12? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I, I recognize everything you just said, but in my yeah. head, I was like, it's because Bridges and Damon and all these other people have so much screen time as well. Right. I don't know if I would call her the lead, but I guess she is the default lead. Yeah. I mean, cause she's the one that drives everything and makes it happen. I just want to verify this because how old is Maddie Ross in True Grit? Oh, sorry. She's 14 in True Grit. Ah, fuck me. I thought it was 12. <sighs> All right, fine. I'll take it off, Matt. Jesus Christ. I, yeah, I wasn't even making that argument. I was more talking about like the screen time. Yeah. Um, in I, my I head, I was like, it, look, I'm going to keep it on. I'm going to keep it on. Fine. And it, even if it's not on, even if it doesn't make a list, I'll keep it on. So I, I just love her in the movie. And certainly she's proven to be a damn good actress and seeing her in, in Hawkeye was fun. And, uh, you know, she's successful as a kind of fashion person in her own right. And also as a singer. So really surprising because I know when the movie came out, a lot of people were like, Oh, she's kind of, you know, tomboyish or whatever, but she's really kind of turned this whole career of hers into multiple revenue streams and shout out to her for that. Certainly a success. And I think she's great in the movie, man. She is, yeah. as I said, the driving influence, the driving force, everything's happening because she wants to go find Tom Chaney. Um, and that's the whole point of the movie. And even at the end, you know, she's the one that tells Je uh, Frank James to keep his seat trash, you know? So she stays a, a very big part of the movie all the way to the end and outlives everybody. You know, and, and has her uh, commentary there be the last part of the movie. So to me, she's the lead of the film. Yeah. She, I mean, it's impressive to see someone that young mm. holding her own in scenes with all these well established and seasoned actors. Yeah. And, uh, she has a commanding presence she on does. screen. Yeah. Both adult and child at the same time in how she yeah. approaches things. You know, the kind of, this is the, what? That's not right. You should be doing this. And it's like in the real world, it's not like that at all. Um, okay. And then my number six is the sixth sense. Uh, that's a punt. Okay. I figured as much. All right. Take uh, a break. Let's take a break. We'll take a quick break. Hear this word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. See you guys in a second. All right, there we go there. And we're back into it. So my number five mm -hmm. is, uh, room. Oh, the Jacob Tremblay one. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. man. Go ahead. Um, see, I, I kind of see it as her story because she's could trying be to get right. out of that thing and, and make it. But I was so blown away by his performance. Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't. How could you not be? Yeah, because I thought about like, oh, Looper, but that kid is so. Oh yeah, it's too. I bad. thought he was amazing. But that's Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt's movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Whereas Tremblay, if you want to make a case that. You know, I was also okay with, we did say lead. If it's a co-lead situation and the movie is good right. enough, I was fine with that on my list. Uh, but that is kind of like, you know, fudging the rules a little bit <laughs> or the assignment rather, perhaps not the rules. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you, you expect, 
you know, I only partially knew Brie Larson because she'd done a few things here and there and had yeah, small yeah. parts, but I didn't really know her. And him, um, I kind of knew in Roundabout, I saw Room after everybody else had recommended it and it had been mm-hmm. out for like a year and a half or something. And eventually I saw it, but I'd seen him in other one or two other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to see that even younger, this yeah. kid is crushing it mm-hmm. in these. Like so much so when he's in the back of that truck, you're like, fucking roll, man. Yeah. Roll. Like in my head, trying to will this kid to do the action that you want him to do. But you got to remember, like he's six or yeah. five. Right. Like it's just so young. He plays this masterfully. Like the outside world is this toxic environment, and yet he still longs for it in the imagination of this child trying to find the good in the situation, not realizing the hellscape that he has been brought up in. Yeah. Um, I don't know, just the push and pull and everything that he personifies, uh, that he doesn't even realize it, that you're projecting onto it and then the yeah. trauma and dealing with it afterwards and how he needs to grow. And then you start thinking about what he's going to be like in 20, 30 years. Huh. Um, yeah, I think just the profoundness and then what I was left with afterwards, everybody was right in telling me I should see that one. That was a unique and interesting film. It's an excellent film. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I liked it. And, and, you know, um, it's kind of hard to remember when Brie Larson was like the darling coming out of that movie because, you know, obviously the Captain Marvel stuff and all that stuff is kind of like uh, muddy the waters a little bit, but her chemistry with him is fantastic. And Tremley is great. Tremley is great in the film making those connections with her and then. You know, cause in a way you can see like, oh, it's a kid. Why is he doing this? But in a way, the story itself is overall a, a kind of a, a subtly works as kind of all of us are trapped in some kind of room in our heads and we don't see the way out, even though someone looking from the outside could totally be like, roll, get out of that, jump out of the truck, the proverbial truck in our own lives, the figurative truck in our own rooms in our lives. So there's so much symbolism going on and he's so great. I just have seen it as Brie Larson's film with him. Uh, 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 You're probably right to be perfectly honest. I'm not discounting at all. I'm just saying it's the way I've seen it. It doesn't mean it's the right way to see it. It's just the way I've seen it. That's why I didn't make my list, but it's a great choice because it's a damn good movie. Surprisingly, I, I thought I was going to be bored, man. I went in and I was like, oh, what's all the hype about? Oh, we'll see. Cause I didn't watch it initially when everyone was going crazy about it. Like yeah. You, uh, said, and then I, I, but I watched it later and I was like, damn, this is actually fucking engrossing as hell and ch- it, it, weirdly charming in the interactions between her and Dremlin, you know? Yeah. She creates an environment that's nurturing mm-hmm. in the midst of you know, once you slowly realize what the hell is going on. Yeah. Yeah. Which at first you are, is like, is this a post-apocalyptic and they are stuck in this room? And then eventually you're like, no, they, they're stuck in that room, but not for any other yeah. reason outside of one individual. Something much more sinister. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. That was your five. That was my five. So my five is, uh, Jojo rabbit. Uh, that's a punt. Okay. Fair enough. What's your four? Uh, my four is Logan. Oh, that's just a slight punt. A slight punt. Okay. Um, so my four is Stand By Me. Okay. That, they're all kids. They're all 12. Yes, but we said, uh, well, okay. I was trying to think of the adults 
in the movie and it's like a oh, kid led. That's yeah. in my head that I thought we were going for because Firestarter, they're still the parents in the, the mm. town trying to stop her and everything Well, you've else. got the older kids coming after him through the movie, Kiefer Sutherland. And okay, all. go go for it. Look, Stand By Me is awesome. Yeah, I, I love the movie. So to me, as soon as they call, this is one of the first movies I thought about and I checked. Um, yeah, it's and one of the first I exploded. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I was like, Stand By Me, now that doesn't count. But no, it's an immature thing. They found a dead body. Uh, they're dealing with the fact that Corey Feldman's father is an abusive alcoholic. They're dealing with the, the relationship between, um, uh, oh God. Well, you River got River Phoenix. Phoenix's bad home life. Uh, um, yeah. And their relationship with him and Will Wheaton. It's, that's being laid down. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Collins, fat kid. Yeah. I know that being the fat kid in, in that group of kids, like it's, there's so much there. And then. They're dealing with the dead body situation, but they're also kind of coming of age. They're kind of realizing the childhood stuff is no longer, you know, their territory. They're actually having to move into a little more adult um, way of looking at the world and certainly dealing with Keeper Sutherland and all those. His whole crew hammers that point home, you know, and there are threatening moments between them. So to me, it feels very much like an adult film or a coming of age adult film. Um, and it's great performances from everybody involved. And I think it's, is it Daniel Stern who does the voiceover or Richard Dreyfus? It's Richard Dreyfus does okay. the voiceover. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, and it started the trend of Stephen King's best movies are from his short stories. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, The Body. That's what it was called. Yeah. yeah and, and you got the Green Mile and Shawshank. Right. Right. And oh, Shawshank. So good. Uh, whereas when you, it, you know, when you're trying to convert these massive, thousand page tomes mm-hmm. there's just too much information yeah. to relay uh, it tried with two parts oh yeah right it, yeah. and uh you know it was, it was interesting i especially like the first part yeah yeah i agree first part was great yeah the second part defeating the the clown i didn't that to me felt unsatisfying yeah but still impressive because that's yeah. a tough book to pull off it's like doing the stand I don't know yeah. how you ever actually do that. And I didn't see the dark tower because I don't, I, I think that's another one where I don't know how you do it. And everybody was like, it's got off on like, I don't want to see it. I've thought about it a couple of times and be like, you know, that's streaming on whatever platform. And be like, I don't know if I want, do I want to waste my time? It's so bad. And the fact that it was only 90 minutes was, was just, or a little bit over 90 minutes, just shocking on so many levels because that is such an extensive story to try to tell it in such a small amount of time. Yeah. No sense. It would make more sense if you were like, so long as this first one goes well, this is going to be a four picture, <laughs> like arc. Yeah. Like, okay. Cause that, that character King has gotten a lot of mileage out of. Oh yeah. Totally. 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 Um, but yeah, stand by me. I mean, it's one of the best coming of age movies yeah. you're going to see. Yeah. There you go. All right. So what's your three? Uh, my three is, uh, Leon, the professional. Oh, that's also a slight punt. Oh, this is going to be interesting. All right. Okay. All right. A little battle, a little battle on the fronts. Uh, so my three is searching for Bobby Fisher, the punt from earlier. Man, this is almost my number one, dude. I'm not telling you, this was almost my number one. Those other two weren't more kind of like just, I don't know, just kind of have something more to them each. I would have put this at number one. I love this movie, man. I fucking love this movie. It's a good one. Yeah, and the kid is so good. And I don't think I saw him in anything much after that. Um, just the delivery, the blue eyes of the young kid, the, yeah. the honesty, 
you know, uh, the, and the stuff with his with Jim Mantegna's his dad and Joan Allen, and then the Ben Kingsley stuff and Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. It's got an excellent cast. It's all Chicago actors almost, except for Lawrence, because I mean William H Macy's from Chicago, Joan Allen's from Steppenwolf, mm-hmm. Mantegna's from that. So there's a lot of Chicago actors involved in this, and oh, and even um, Pamer, right? David Pamer, sure, uh, uh, in there as one of the dads of the kids. Great, great stuff exploring the, the kind of sports dad mentality in the world of chess, uh, and what that all can lead to. Uh, and, uh, just incredible performance, man. And every time I watch this movie, I'm just like completely transported to one of those rare places in film where you watch a movie. It is so singularly its own world that you just kind of enjoy existing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the. The push and pull because they, you know, takes him to Kingsley, who's the best teacher or or a great teacher, maybe not the best. And the kid can't handle the dogmatic approach of you follow these steps. Here are the rules. This is what you do. And it stifles his creativity Mm -hmm. and enjoyment overall, overall. And he would rather lose than just play in this system. (laughs) But on the flip side, the Lawrence Fishburne of out here like sacrificing queens yeah and yeah. making huge moves is more exciting and exhilarating to play you're yeah. going to lose more so finding the balance and all that but allowing him to eventually do these things and just go out and be like go have fun yeah yeah learn along the way but you know there is no specific approach yeah if you're going to enjoy this and succeed at it so figure that out for yourself yeah just like life yeah you know? yeah um but really interesting. Yeah. It, it, solid movie. It is really. And it's, it's one of those ones that, like I said, just comes along and you're just like, it's not going to win a bunch of awards. It's not going to get nominated for anything, but God damn it. Is it an excellent film? Just an excellent film and experience from top to bottom. Whenever you dive in, it's just so good. And Kingsley is tough to cheer for. It's, you know, kind of the asshole element of him, but mm-hmm. Fishburne as well, this idea that, yeah, you got to find that balance of when to take a risk and when to play it safe and when to be smart. Um, and, and that, you know, that's like, and then well, that moment of sportsmanship in the movie as well, you know, and when it comes to fruition in that last match, cause he yeah. loses his queen early by playing yeah. too brash. Mm-hmm. But because of that, he's also been in these situations before. So he manages to tread water until he can take the other kid's queen. Yeah. And then realizes because of the teachings of Kingsley, oh, I got him. Yeah. But it's, it's this confluence of all these different styles and everything that he's learned and experiences, uh, that come to fruition. Yeah. Um, and he tries to offer him a draw. Yeah. He does. And the kid doesn't want to take it because he's, you know, "Ah, I got you. All right. You sure about that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he tries to be nice, then it's just like, all right, uh, well, you know, tough titties, kid. You're going down. <laughs> uh, good stuff, though. Um, yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, it's such an excellent fucking movie. Take it a Saturday afternoon and and watch it because it's so, so good. Um, all right, so what's your two, brother? My two is a sixth sense. Okay, go ahead. Uh Blown away by it just like everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Upon first seeing it, didn't know, obviously, about the twist. And then, uh, unfortunately, it's kind of cursed Shyamalan to this day. Yeah. Cause yes, it's, yes. 
Uh, it feels like he's got to do a twist, and then eventually he became known as the twist guy, so there's no way for him to get anything produced if it doesn't have a twist. Yeah. And I think the movie is – obviously the twist helps. I'm yes. not saying it doesn't. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also independent of that, it's a good movie. Yeah, it is, man. It's, it's got a nice blend of the horror elements when you see these dead people, like the hanging guy when they're at that party. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, it's creepy as shit. Or the little girl with half her head blown off when she turns the camera. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, But it adds a nice little creep factor. And also, like, you feel for these lost souls. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. why they're wandering and are displaced. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a compelling film. And then with the twist, I don't feel like, I, I don't know why, but I feel like subconsciously I want to guard the twist if you haven't seen it. Oh, good point. Maybe. May, maybe there's somebody, but I got to imagine anybody that's listening to this has seen the fucking sixth sense. Well, it's over 20 years, right? It's almost, it's, it's got to be over 20 years old. So I feel like that's got to yeah, be the window. There could be some teenager, much like you, haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth, which is like, oh, oh yeah. I haven't gotten around to seeing Sixth Sense. But it's what, okay, right. one of the biggest twists in movie history. I, I'm fine with it. Okay, we can skip the twist. That's fair. That's no, fair. no, no. I'm fine with talking about it. Oh, I don't okay. care. Okay. It just it was weird to me that I kept saying Not the twist as opposed to, uh, yeah. But yeah, then Haley Joel Osment is next level. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. When he says, I see dead people, it is powerful. Yeah. Well, the scene with him and his mom in the, in the car, mm -hmm. that scene, the end scene or one of the end scenes, when she finally realizes that he can actually see these things, that moment is, I cry. I mean, I get emotional, I'll cry or I'll get emotional every time because his acting, because he loves his mom so much and he's delivering this message with such care and the dawn, the dawning on her mom, on his mom's face, on Tony Collette's face of how accurate he is in what he's saying and how it feels authentic and mm -hmm. her like having to take that in and essentially reassess her point of view on the whole situation from the beginning of the movie. It's just fantastic, you know, absolutely fantastic. And who doesn't want someone who can actually commune with our lost loved ones and get that kind of closure and whatever, if there is anything that's open. So it's just like, it's such great. Great performance. And yeah, you're right. It's like his Citizen Kane, like, you know, Citizen Kane dogged Wells all the way until he died. Uh, Sixth Sense will dog Shyamalan all the way until he dies. There's no, there's no option. Yeah. Unless he manages to, to come out with something to top it, which he has. Yeah. I don't think he has. And how many more tries, how many more bites at that apple is he going to get? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I love Unbreakable. I thought Old was good. Um, Whatever, what's one? Oh yeah, the glass, glass, and then uh, split or whatever. Those. Yeah, but they just didn't do well financially. Right, right. But they so, didn't reach that level of six cents, man. Yeah, which is tough to do. Oh, true, very true. And yeah, other directors have their niche as well, where yeah, they make roughly the same movie quite a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we applaud them for it. Guy Ritchie, but. It, yeah, well, Guy Ritchie, Scorsese, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, yeah. um, Chris Nolan, like they have their style. Sure. And we know going into it, oh, it's probably going to be something along these lines. Right. Um, but Shyamalan, just like that, having that one 
tiny little hook is not the same as having like a genre piece that you tend to do. Yeah. True. So it makes it more difficult to shock, especially like the next, you know, following it up with was Lady in the Water or the Village next? It was the vi- Village. The Village is next, then Lady, then the Happening, then Lady in the Water. So that was that was the I think. Oh that's no way, dude! Uh, Lady in the Water came out before the Happening. You think? Okay. Hundred percent. Okay. I'm not good on movie release dates. Everybody, everybody knows that. Um. Yeah, that uh, Lady in the Water was what got me out of Shyamalan, and then the uh, Happening was coming out. I was like, unless you guys tell me it's good, I'm not buying into Shyamalan at this point. Yeah, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable Signs, which I like. The Village, which I enjoyed. Then Lady in the Water, then The Happening, right? And then Air, Airbender, and then After Earth. Like those four, back to back to back, were the destruction of Shyamalan. That was the destruction of Shyamalan completely. Um, they didn't even put his name on the promotion for After Earth because he'd been so reviled after Last Airbender. So, yeah, yeah. After Earth is terrible. Oof. Oh, Will. Oh, shit. We, Matt, how do we get the whole show without mentioning your boy trying to get tackled on stage? Hey, uh, listen, everybody was concerned about this and it, it finally happened. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a little mad it happened because I thought it was ridiculous that all these comics were coming out saying, so hey, they're going to, they're going to attack us. And like, it's ridiculous. So did I. Although someone like Chappelle looms so large in public hey. con- consciousness that if it's going to happen to anybody, it's going to be somebody on that level. Yeah. It was all the people that aren't anywhere near that level that were <laughs> like, this could happen. And be like, it's not going to fucking happen to you, man. Yeah, dude. It's not. Nobody's going to do that. And, uh, you're their Jody Foster, you know? Yeah. Happy people are in the audience. Being yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> you don't have a, uh, Mark David Chapman out there. Yeah. Trying to take you down. Yeah. Like Chappelle, Chappelle makes in this dude, like apparently wrote a song about him. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but he has, yeah, the video where he tackles him and he runs around the back of the clamshell and he disappears behind some wall or whatnot and then comes out the other side. Yeah. And then you see him get crushed and you hear the whole audience go like, Oh, like got him. Like it's a good hit in the NFL when a receiver crosses the middle. Yeah. They were destroying him too. I mean, um, obviously our friend Chris Burns, one of the people involved there in the production of that, that whole festival. Yeah. He's on the wrestling show now with me on Saturdays and we were texting back and forth about it with our friend Aaron and, uh, he was just saying how, you know, all week people were kind of weird about Chappelle's security team. They were like, why is it so big? Why does it have so many people? And then you realize why? Because they probably have access to those actual threats that he's been getting since he did that special. And so, you know, they have to be mindful of it and really protect him. And even with that big security team, they somebody still got through and almost got. I mean, if that guy had a knife or anything, he like did that, have a knife. Oh, well, there you go, he did, but he didn't quite. He didn't land or whatever. It was inside guy, of a fake gun. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. Really yeah. weird. How do you get that past security, man? Insane. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so you know, don't uh, make fun of the big, big, big comics who feel the need to kind of have that kind of protection because you just never know, man. You never know. Yeah, it was strange. Um, yeah, totally. Um, of course, yeah, never mind. Let's move on. Uh, what's your number two? Do we do your number two? Which was six Yeah, we get my two, six cents. Okay. So my two is Logan from your punt from earlier. Yeah, and you know why I'm sitting up on my fucking wall, man. It just, I just love that movie. So where's it? This side? No, this side. I just love that movie so much. And, um, and Daphne is incredible. And I haven't seen her in shit since really. I didn't watch the dark material show. Just didn't have an interest in that. 
But in this movie, she is so fucking good, man. From top to bottom, from the minute she's introduced to the interactions with, with, um, Hugh Jackman and then, you know, with, but then as it progresses and when she yells at him in the car and comes back at him in the car, you, she has a ferocity and honesty in what she's doing that you can absolutely connect to. She's broken in different ways that he's broken, but there's a kinship in their brokenness. And then mm-hmm. at the end, you know, when he gives her that final message and that final adv- piece of advice, so powerful. I hope she's one of those ones that makes the transition into the MCU as this character. Cause I, I, I actually don't want to see Wolverine recast. Just make her Wolverine and let's fucking go. You know, I just, that's my, unfortunately you're going to go over two on those wants. <laughs> you are. They may bring her over like that. You got a better can- chance at that. Yeah. They're recasting Wolverine. Yeah, fucking hell yeah. It's coming. No! I mean, think how poorly received all those other X-Men were, and yet Hugh, we, I, I would watch a Hugh Wolverine movie tomorrow. Yeah. If they were like, we're releasing it, we got another one. <laughs> like, no problem. I like, I like the character and I like Hugh in it. Yeah. So, so long as they find it, whoever comes next sucks for you. The yes. guy after that we might give a fair chance to. Yeah. But whoever's going to be directly compared to Hugh, mm. more than likely I assume that they're, they're going to fail. Yeah. Uh, fine. But fine, Matt. Fine. They are. It's It just makes too much money. Yeah. But Logan's awesome. We've talked about it before. We have a thousand times. Um. All right. So then what's your one, my man? My one is Jojo Rabbit. Oh, wow. Go ahead, please. I love that movie. I think it's fantastic. Okay. Uh, I've watched it, I guess, not too distantly. Okay. Like six, eight months ago again. Okay. But I do go back for scenes. You can find a bunch of great ones on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, there, I mean, it just so many different moments. And that little kid is fantastic mm-hmm. walking the line between comedy and the serious drama with like the girl that's under the stairs that his mom is trying, Scarlett Johansson is trying to save and protect yeah. this young Jewish girl. Uh, but then his interaction with like his uh, best friend, you know, he's got the, oh, yeah. <laughs> the cardboard armor at the end. It's the height of German technology at that point. Uh, and then <laughs> so good, man. <laughs> going to Sam Rockwell's boot camp. Oh yeah, that's right. That's- yeah. But then showing back up to like when Rockwell comes with the Gestapo oh. and he has that like understanding of, yeah, not all of us are evil, yeah. but we are in the midst of a terrible type of situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the scenes with the kid and Taika oh, yeah. just steal the show. Yeah. I love everyone. It opens with, mm-hmm. you know, Heil Hitler, come on, are we friends? Like, say it like you mean it. <laughs> and then he just go, the ferocity, and he jumps out, and you realize that yeah. it's all fictitious thing in his mind. Because initially when I was watching the theater, I was like, am I supposed to be laughing at this? Because yeah. I want to, but I feel weird that we're making Hitler an endearing character. And then the reveal of, because I don't watch trailers and all that. I don't know shit about it. Right. And once that reveal and the pressure release, it was so cathartic to laugh at the the idiocy of all yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Taika inventing that 
character, by the way. The book has no yeah, right. Hitler fictitious character. Hitler best friend character. Yeah. And I don't think the movie works for me remotely. Yeah. If it doesn't have that dynamic, you know, baked into it. Um, so yeah, I did. And that, that little kid is excellent. I hope he continues to work. I agree. He's so fantastic. And the other, both of them, him and his, and his friends are just great throughout the movie. Just very, yeah. very funny. The kid is, oh. I, I've seen a couple of times. Yeah. The friend. Yeah. Um, like, so, I think he just did the newest home alone. Yes, that was him. You're right. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So good in that situation for sure. Yeah. I like the movie so much. And, you know, it's the interactions of the kids with, um, Scarlett Johansson. And of course with Thomas and McKenzie, the back and forth and how that mm-hmm. journey goes along. Cause it, they're so smart in portraying the kid as adamantly this, because what else would he know? He was, yeah. this is what he was raised in. So what all his friends are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then slowly um, but surely you see that the emperor has no clothes, uh, step by step. And him as a kid starts to realize it as well. Uh, and then has that moment, that real cathartic moment where he does what he does to Hitler. And it's just like so great to see. And I enjoy the hell out of that. And, and you're right. I mean, that kid is so, so good. Um, and the film manages to be a Taika film. Um, in that it deals with the real shit, but still finds the humor and the madness of it all, which is so great yeah. about him as a, as a director and filmmaker. So yeah, just a great, great film. Absolutely. Um, all right, so what do you got at one? My one is the professional, the uh, punt from earlier. It's, uh, you know, that film is so good. Lee, uh, Natalie Portman is so good as the character. Um, you know, and it's her first role or whatever. And she said, and I know it's for some people now lately, it's, it's become a troubling, troublesome film. And I respect that maybe. And, um, your point of view, I respect for sure, but you know, I don't agree. I think it's just an unusual, uh, mixture of actors and characters and people in this film that works, you know, with the, cause essentially Leon is, is a teenager himself because he's been kind of indoctrinated into this world. Mm-hmm. And so he's yeah. never like emotionally matured past what he has with Matilda. And so that's why they have an easy friendship. And, you know, um, it, it, he doesn't sleep with her or anything like that, but you know, it, there's a weird kind of connective tissue and possible kind of, um, feelings developing there, but it never really kind of gets consummated or gets explored in that way, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in the Gary Oldman element of all and Danny Aiello, who's so good in these, in the random moments that he's on the screen. There's a lot more weight to this one and she is carrying the film. Yeah. He's get the fun. He gets the fun action sequences, but it's her journey that we're monitoring from her parents getting absolutely destroyed and murdered and killed and her escaping that. And then learning to become an assassin because she has to survive in the world and what Leon guides her through. I think Portman does an incredible job. So it's the movie and her performance. That's why I put it at number one for me. Her performance, like when she sees her family dead and has to like walk down to his door and knock on it and just this, her entire world is shattered and she is portraying that, uh, so well. Yeah. The shock of it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's just trembling. Like, please open your door. Like she needs to be saved in this moment. Uh, she's trying to navigate this new world Mm -hmm. thereafter and the madness of it all. Uh, yeah, she, it's incredible that this is her introduction yeah. to all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, she's rightly been in our lives ever since. 
yeah. in huge projects and continues to, to work in, you know, Oscar caliber films. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's a mesmerizing performance from her and, uh, um, Jean Renault. Mm-hmm. And it's a, one of Luc Besson's lesser out of left field type of movies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, usually it's like, I'm a fan of Fifth Element, but that is a weird movie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is a weird movie. Yeah. Uh, and that also took seeing it literally about 50 times before <laughs> I loved it. And now I genuinely love it. And it's eccentricities to help to sell it to me now. So you had 49 viewings where you were like, I don't know. I just, something about it. I just have to keep watching it. I, I think it was more so like, uh, after 20, it's not, I didn't sit down to watch it. Okay. Okay. It was just on. Right. Right. And to, to slowly kind of give more and more scenes chances and yeah. get invested into the characters more and more times and then start noticing like all the different choices and uh, appreciate uh, the characters, uh, the costume design, the world that's been created. Yeah. There are still things that I think are like, okay, I could have done without this, but, um, uh, like the singer part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. And yet at the same time, kind of stupid. <laughs> you know, but they are on this like a carnival cruise that's Vegas and Monte Carlo and everything yeah. all kind of wrapped into one and they're going to, so they bring in the Mariah Carey of the galaxy or the Whitney Houston or whoever it is has the vocal range and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, professional, if you want a more grounded Luke Basson, this is of yeah. his, what I've seen of his. This is his most grounded. I agree. Most accessible for sure. Yeah. All right. But there you go. There's our separate list. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to put it together to give you our official, the top 10 list here as I grab the bongos. There we go. Swarming up here. All right. Where are we at? Let's put this list together. Uh, where do you have JoJo again? JoJo is my number five. All right. And Six Sense, you had where? Six Sense is number six. Leon, the professional? Number one. All right. So Leon is number one. Oh, okay. Uh, you had Logan at two. Logan at two. All right. So then I would say Logan is number two. Wow. Okay. And then Jojo and six cents. Okay. So that's one through four. Okay. Um, um I've got Bobby Fisher at three. That's my nine. Okay. We both have Billy Elliott at what? The eight, and ten nine. range. I have at nine. Yeah. Okay, so that's eight nine. Exorcist is eight ten. Okay. And I don't think we have, we don't have anything else in common. No, I don't think All so. Right. So I would say probably searching then next. Okay. All right. Um. So we have five spots left, six through ten. Okay. We have. Two more in common, but they were lower. So do you want to fill out like yeah, give me your next highest? Next highest is Stand By Me at four for me. What about you? Uh, My next highest is five room. Okay. 
go ahead. That was my JoJo slot. And then I say we do Billy Elliot and Exorcist here. Okay. We have one spot left. Okay. I have my six. Oh, you son of a bitch. Go ahead. Put it in. What? <laughs> done and done. Easy peasy. Nice. All right. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> the top 10 movies for adults led by a kid. Yeah. At number 10. Still sounds bad, doesn't it? It does. I can't find the right thing. All right. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> At number nine. The Exorcist. At number eight. Billy Elliot. At number seven. Room. At number six. Stand by me. At number five. Searching for Bobby Fisher. At number four. The Sixth Sense. At number three. Jojo Rabbit. At number two. Uh, Logan. And our number one movie made for adults led by a kid is. Is Leon the Professional. Everyone. All right, Matt. Another fun list here from the top 10 for our fans to enjoy and uh, listen to and uh, peruse and have issues with and offer their own suggestions. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. It didn't qualify for me because it's kind of a different approach, uh, in my mind to it. It didn't feel like necessarily an adult, uh, oriented movie led by kids. Plus the horror aspect of it all, even though there is some horror aspect to Sixth Sense, I just felt like that makes it and puts it in a different category for me. Um, but yeah, but I thought we had a good, uh, compilation here of, of movies for people to check out if they haven't checked out, but also movies to talk about. So thank you all so much for watching and listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, follow the show on Twitter at Top Ten Show, all spelled out. Otherwise, on YouTube and Instagram, it is forward slash The Top Ten Podcast with the number 10. So hit us up over there on those. And uh, if you want, you can follow me at Matt Nost and check out Settle the Score. It is my uh, movie music trivia show. Uh, or if you're into NBA dropping dimes, you can find those anywhere you get podcasts. There you go. As for me, you can follow me at the Roka says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, the Outlaw Nation on Twitch, uh, and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roka says, and my other podcast as well, the, uh, Cinephiles and the Geek Buddies there for you all to enjoy. All right. Y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the top 10. Mm-hmm.